Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. have you here, familiar faces and new faces. Um, just to give a little bit of context for, for some who may be here for the first time or, or came in late, one, the bathroom's back here. You can get up any time and go. It's not weird. I might even have to stop and go. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I have a child in this room, a, a baby in the back. You may hear if you have a kid or a baby with you and they make noise, we celebrate it. We welcome it, okay? So no one feel... Uh, feel um, uncomfortable about that. We've also got kids tucked into like different pockets and corners of this whole property and so um, we are a culture of women because we're women and um, and so yeah we do all the things together. We are not a church. Entourage is not a church uh, but we are part of the church, the body of Christ. So women in this room as you may know if you look to your left or to your right there may be ladies that go to church with you that live in the same town as you, and there may be some that live in a different place and fellowship somewhere different. In the heart of, of why we gather here is that we are a women who are hungry for the Lord, and so we gather. Um, oh, there used to be a banner back here. It's not here, but it said, um, the Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news, That's Psalm 68:11. So we gather to stir that command within us. There are many that he... He gives uh, commissions, and, um, and, and we gather, and we march out of here as an army. And Laura says it best. She said, I feel Laura Bull, who's a part of our team here. Um, and when I say team, I just mean there are several of us that, that get together, and we serve, and anyone's welcome to be part of that team. But she said, I feel like when we, when we get together, we're like women coming off of the battlefield, and we're telling stories of both victory and defeat and we're learning from each other and we're celebrating what God has done and what God can do and so that is what we do here with an entourage as a woman who gather from many necks of the web there are uh, there's a boutique in the back it's called take what you need boutique that acronym is actually t-w-y-n which sounds like twin so it's like twinning you know I'm gonna do something with that someday but but in the heart of what I just shared about um, we are we are celebrating women on in their walk with the Lord and we're not a church we support and cheer women's ministries on in other churches I know there are many local women's ministry leaders in here uh, I see some from Boca some fu- some from Fusion um, some from Victory Life and with that I want to invite Hannah Sheriff up because Victory Life woohoo yeah please clap for for Hannah and um Let's do Jesse's mic. Um, Hannah is over the Pioneer Conference. She's as, as was Sarah that welcomed. She serves on both teams. And that's coming up February 23rd and 24th. There are flyers in the back. And you do not have to go to Victory Life to go to that. Um, not at all. Um, but I just wanted you to hear her heart for the next three or four minutes about um, this theme of Pioneer. So Hannah, I know that you are earnestly in prayer, you and your team, about here, not just picking a cute brandable theme, but what the Lord is speaking to the hearts of women. So why Pioneer? Why is that the theme of this year's conference? All right. Yes, all are welcome. You don't have to go to Victory Life. We'd love to have you. So 
Um, so Pioneer, um, so we are about a team of seven or eight that gather and really just seek the Lord about what his plan, I don't feel like I can see you guys, so I'm going to lower this just a bit, I'm a little shorter than Jesse, um, and this year as we just went to prayer about that, um, we sense just movement being part of what God's um, just, just heart for women this year, and so you know, we've come, the world has come through um, many years or a couple of years of just the unknown, just kind of our whole everyday changed in a matter of a couple of years ago. And, and I think from that, um, it's just this call to, to get back up and get moving. And so Pioneer, um, we're, we're basing it in the scripture in Hebrew where it talks about Jesus being our pioneer, him being our founder, um, him being... Um, yeah, the, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And so I was going to read that, actually, because I'm way better at just reading it than saying it. So, um, so Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder. So it calls him the founder. In some translation, it says um, the pioneer mm-hmm. and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So this idea that, honestly, Jesus is our pioneer, that everything that we're called to, um, everything that is um, a journey for us, a, um, an assignment in front of us, he actually is our leader in it all if we allow him to be. And so it is a sense of a call to action for us as what does that look like? It can be mothering. It can be um, stewarding um, elderly parents in this season. I mean, it's whatever he says um, that is, but he is our leader in all of those things. So it's a a rekindling of remembering that he is truly the pioneer of all things, and we're following him. So what does it cost to come? And $20. um, $20. Can, Can you register online or can you pay at the door? Yes, you can do both. So I did bring the flyer tonight. It looks like this. It is so in it's the actually back an too. online registration. Yeah. You can, if you guys know how to use the QR code, um, scan that. It just takes you to a simple form for very basic information to fill out, and it's $20. Um, and you can show up that Friday or Saturday and pay at the door as well. So it's a really simple process. So one final question, kind of put you on the spot, but I know you're so led by the spirit. Nothing (laughs) stumps you. Um, So I think the best pioneers are the best followers Mm -hmm. because Jesus is the pioneer. So as women, those who are pioneers are ones that are following that path, that that trail that he's blazed. So for the women in here who are thinking or coming here, like I think the Lord's inviting me to go into this field. I'm not sure if I'm ready or if he's calling me. What is your wisdom to them as they decide yes is the lord calling me to pioneer new territory with him man so actually um i don't want to get into what i'm going to share at the conference but uh um so sorry. no 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 um so i think that everything that we're called to pioneer must first come from that place of posturing of just um surrender and that posture of worship then gives us the strategy and the ability. So it comes from that place of, honestly, just your heart being connected to the Father. Um, and in that, there's going to be, it's not like in pioneering, it, it doesn't go like this. Okay, I, I know what you said, God, so I'm just going to go for it. No, it's every day choosing to say, God, what is, what is your grace for today? 
And so I hope that that is um, even what you, you, I don't know, but women's conference, the reason we do it is not because we just want another event, because we, you know, we all have tons of those to go to, but I pray that it's a time of truly breakthrough and encountering the Lord. We all need breakthrough moments. We all need to encounter Jesus. He is the reason we can do everything that we do, and it's so vital as women, because we often are the busy one. We're often the ones that I've got all the things, the plates spinning, um, that we need to take time to remember where our strength comes from. And so whatever he's calling you to pioneer, um, you may see it as small or you may see it as impossible. Um, if we stay connected to the vine, then he gives us what we need for that. So that would be my answer. <laughs> Amen. Yes, please do. Yes. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. If you have questions, you can catch her or Sarah Shane, who uh, welcomed you at the beginning. Tell all the details. She's wonderful. Yes, yes. Okay, well, we are going to hop in, and just to set up some context, um, I felt like for this entire year, the Lord um, wanted us to learn about his name. Uh, name in the way familiar names, names that maybe are not as, as familiar, but uh, last month we taught on Psalm 113, and the verse that says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I gave uh, the example of, of my daughter Moxie, who's five months old, and she knows who I am, and she knows what, you know, services come with me being mom. And as much as she knows me right now, she still doesn't know my name fully. And, and so, God is so expansive and so wonderful. We will get to know his name our entire life. And actually in Revelation, it talks about how he has a name to be revealed that nobody even knows. And so we're in this beautiful invitation and journey of the name of the, of the Lord and falling in love with the name of the Lord and letting him reveal the mystery of his name to us. And so a few months ago, I feel like the Lord said the first name that I want you to focus on is the Lamb. And... Um, and that sounds on the on one hand familiar and simple, and on the other hand, it seems very impossible to me. And so coming into tonight, I just want to tell you, I, I feel like I have zero qualification to speak on this because it is everything. It is the most important um, sermon I'll ever get to teach or preach because the Lamb is everything. The Lamb is the one who was and is and is to come. The one who was slain from the foundation of the world but reigns right now and will come back and reestablish his kingdom. And so my, my heart and my hope for tonight would be that we break through just any like, um, uh, like veneer over church words or over things that have sound familiar and we just kind of grown lukewarm to them and that we would all just walk out of here with this blazing revelation of the lamb and what it means in our life today. And um, there's a verse in the Bible that says, don't regard anyone according to the flesh. It's talking about, like, if someone w lived one way and then they got saved, don't regard their old man, like who they were before. But as I thought about that today and just struggled to even write down notes about where we were going to go with this, I felt the Lord tell me that about myself. Don't regard yourself according to the flesh. You have the Spirit of God inside of you, just as you do if you were born again. And even though you may not even get all of it yet, 
our spirit bears witness with the truth, which is also Christ, the name of the Lord. So I just want to speak that over each of you and exhort you not to regard yourself after the flesh. So there are no limitations in here about what you do know or what you don't know walking into this place. If you have the spirit of God residing in you, if you're a born-again believer in Christ, then you have every seed of truth in you that is ready to harvest. So we're going to go into the depths together, and we're going to come out together, and we are going to walk wiser and in greater love and in a greater revelation of the lamb at the end of this evening okay yes so I want to just like build a little bit of capacity first by using an example I would like Annette to come up here I would like Olivia to come up here I'd like Katie Garrett to come up here and just stand in a line and Annette you'll go first Olivia you stand next to her Katie you stand next to her if the mic will stretch, you may have to come toward me. So I am going to ask a simple question. You should probably listen to Annette's answer, okay? <laughs> because it's going to matter. And then, Annette, when you get done answering, I want you to move to the end of the line, okay? All right. So, um, Annette, is it true that your son has an insurance agency? Yes. Yes. And is it not yet? Not yet. Sorry, it's a two-part question. And what is the location, the address of that agency? 723 West Texas. Okay, you may now move to West Texas, so this is Street in Durant. Olivia, is it true that your husband used to be an insurance agent? Yes. At the time that he was an insurance agent, where was his office located? What address? Yeah, it's the same one your mom just oh, said. 723 West Texas. <laughs> I told her to listen. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. That was tricky. That was tricky. Okay, you're allowed to sit down, and that has to stay. Okay. <laughs> Katie, actually, I'm going to ask myself, Paige, where was the first Entourage Ministry House located? 723 West Texas Street. Katie, where did you cut your first haircut in the Entourage Boutique? What was its address? 723 West Texas. Okay. Thank you. Oh, Katie, also, where was the first piece of clothing ever hung up for the Take What You Need Boutique? What was its address? 723 West Texas. Where were the first flower, where were the first seeds that went into the ground for the first cheese garden that ever existed? 723 West Texas. Okay, these are all different years and times and seasons. Annette, when you, before I was born, when you moved, <laughs> when your family moved to Durant because your dad was a pastor and you guys got housed in a parsonage, what was the address of that parsonage? 723 West Texas. And when Jesse Salee was worship leader entourage and had an office, is it also true that her office was your bedroom growing up? Yes. Yes. And then is it also true that your family didn't build that home, but three different pastors' families lived there before? Yes. Okay. Is it also true that someone else laid the foundation before you lived here or perhaps were even born? Yes. Okay. Thank you. So... I share all of that to say that when we step back to look at the Lamb, we have to understand that the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and the work that he has done, has finished in our life and on the cross, it was completed a long time ago, not even just 2,000 years ago. It was completed at the foundation of the world. And so I had this little example to show that you have all of these narratives and life seasons coming in and out of this place 
that really, some may say by coincidence, I think the hand of God was in it. And that didn't own that. Pl- I mean, it just so happened. Oh, one more. Come here. Come here. Come here. <laughs> Is it true that you have two son-in-laws? Yes. Is it true that your oldest son-in-law lived in Durant in a rental home in college? Yes. What was the address of that rental home? 723 West Texas. Okay. All right, sit down. So all of this to say, we could just say, hey, this is a, this is a white house. It's a, it's a white stucco concrete home, and its address is 723 West Texas. But there's a lot that goes into that house, stuff we don't even know about. But you just heard about like seven different seasons and ministries. If you add them all together, it's somewhere around that number, and I could have kept going. The the operate outside of each of our existence, yet they're linear, built on the foundation of this house. So this is, uh, this is just a capacity exercise for us to think outside of our kind of one-dimensional time that we are used to in this life. And I'm going to begin by opening, I'm going to be in a lot of scriptures, um, and that's okay. I'll try, if you have any questions about anything, I will try to do a post with all of these um, tomorrow, and we'll put it on Facebook. Um, But I want to read Ephesians, and this is from Ephesians chapter 1, and it says, verse 3 through 9, Blessed be the God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Say heavenly places. Okay. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, in love he predestined us, okay, to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. He has a kind, a kindness toward you in Christ. To the praise and the glory um, of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us, in the beloved, and in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. So I'm going to go back to the verse, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What does that even mean? In the heavenly places. I, w- I, d- I don't want to, like, we're not going to sugarcoat over it. I want I want to take us there with the word now. So everyone just read that in the heavenly places, before the foundation of the world, God made a way through a lamb for us to be, through what was like a lamb symbolically, to be chosen, to be predestined in love according to the kindness of his will. And not only that, we are now blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So now I'm going to go back to Revelation 5 that I shared part of when we were in worship. So the context of Revelation 5 is this. Jesus had 12 disciples that walked with him in his ministry. One of them was John, John the beloved um, disciple. And John, along with the other disciples, um, except Judas was a little different situation, they were ultimately martyred for Christ, but John was the last one to live, and John was a leader in the first century church, specifically and strongly in Ephesus. You read about uh, the Ephesians in, in your Bible. Uh, but anyway, all most of his friends had passed away very horrifically, and most of the people that he was shepherding, they they were, I mean, they were targets for martyrdom, for persecution. So John was a shepherd and a pastor 
in a time that none of us have known in our lifetime. So his fate ends up that as part of his um, punishment for being a disciple of Jesus, he ends up on this island called Patmos, and he's in his 80s, and he's basically exiled and, and punished and sent away, punished by the government, not the, not the Lord, to be clear on that. And so it says it's the Lord's day. This is early in the book, and he's, he's, um, he's caught up in a vision in the spirit, and he is caught up into the heavenly places, or as Paul might call it, the third heaven. So he is seeing something that is real, but it's not like, it's, it's not like this. It's not flesh and blood, right? And so keep in mind, he's in exile. He's old. Most of his closest friends have passed away or are under the immediate threat to pass away. And so Jesus has just um, been showing him all of these images. It, revelation is about the revelation of Jesus. It's Jesus revealing himself to the church today and what we are to make of that. And so we get to chapter 5. He, so he's, he's seen all these images of Jesus, and, and he has these messages to these churches that he's writing kind of cryptically and sending out so that they can understand it. And then we enter uh, this throne room scene that I'm going to read again to us. So this is John that is writing it, and he is the one experiencing this. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that would be the Father God, a fancy church word for the evening, Trinity. God is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus the Lamb is the Son. So when he's seeing on the throne, he's seeing the Father, okay? I saw him, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. And then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or look into it. So this, the, this, the seals have to do in the book um, with the redemption of man, with those who are going to be redeemed from from wrath and from times that would come um, of, of what life entails when you live separately from Christ. And he is basically without hope for just a minute because he is, he's seen these images of Christ leading up to Revelation chapter 5. Christ, uh, we're not going to go into all of them, but these different things. But now he's here. He understands he is in the throne room in the presence of God. He's seeing elders, and he's hearing this discussion, not unlike that we hear kind of in Isaiah, when Isaiah um, hears the Lord, um, who can go for us, us again referencing that principle of the Trinity. And so he, he's seeing it, and he's realizing no one, no one is able to take on this task of redemption there is no one, and that's why he's weeping, as we would also if we lived without the knowledge that there was someone that was going to make things right, and so as he is weeping, one of the elders said to him, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, these are all names of the Lord, by the way, the root of David, he has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the living creatures a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. It represents perfect power and perfect wisdom. Don't get lost in, in the funny symbols and the numbers. Just a, a perfect ruler, the, a perfect God. And, and he came out and he took the book from the right hand of him 
who sit on the throne. So the father gives the son, who is the lamb that was slain, the book. And he's not a literal lamb. I just want everyone to understand that. It's not like a literal lamb that he's seeing. He's, he's trying to communicate to to the people that would be reading the letters, to those that know the word, um, the principle of what a lamb represented in the Bible. And so he sees that, and he takes the book, and after he does it, they all fall down before the lamb, and they begin to worship, and they sing a new song, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your, for you purchased um, for God with your blood, men and women from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you've made them to be a kingdom of priests. And then the angels go on to keep worshiping the Lord. I'm going to shift into First Peter, and I want to read you a verse from there, and then we're going to back up a little bit further. So in First Peter chapter 1, verse 18, this is Peter writing also to new believers, sort of in the same period of time that John would have been writing um, to the early churches. So 1 Peter 1.18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited by your forefathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So again, we have this reference to the foundation of the world and to the lamb and to how we fit into this grand redemptive plan that doesn't even fit within a timeline that we can understand fully. At least I'm not there yet. But again, my spirit bears witness to the truth. So even if I don't get it here Eventually, I will if I receive it by faith and, and I let deep call to deep, okay? That's for all of you. That's not just for me. So I want to now just back up a little bit and talk about when we see the lamb show up in the scripture for the first time. And that's probably up for some debate, but I would propose this for our purposes tonight. And if there's, because we're from many different denominations, backgrounds, knowledge of the word, no knowledge of the word, if there's ever something that causes you to stumble in here, let's have coffee, let's sit down with our, our Bible, and let's just talk it out together in love. That's the way that we do it here, okay? So I, I like to stay in the word, but I'm going to give you my opinion on the front end of this. Genesis chapter 3 tells the story of after the creation of man, the fall of man. You know the story well. Eve was deceived by the serpent. After that, um, her and Adam are hiding in the bushes. They are naked. They do not see the Lord, but they hear them. I think that's important to remember. They don't see the Lord, but they hear him. And so the Lord, uh, and it says that they'd made some clothes out of probably figs, um, just some type of vegetation from, from the garden, presumably figs. And um, the Lord finds them. They're naked. They've tried to make a covering for themselves. And ultimately, the Lord tells them what's going to happen. The Lord deals with Satan and tells them this is what's going to happen. And then it says that the Lord um, covers them with skins and takes them 
out of the garden, okay? And then the garden, that dwelling, dwelling with God in that way is kind of shut down in that way for that moment because of sin. So if you've not thought about this before, I would propose that the first time blood was shed in the creation of the world was when the Lord had to clothe Adam and Eve with the skins of presumably a lamb, okay? So um, every th- most things in the Old Testament, while they happen literally and historically, almost everything foreshadows Jesus. It points to Jesus. So from the time that they first, they can no longer see him right off the bat, but they can hear him, he clothes them in a sacrificial way. So then this introduces this concept of, of covering, of having this covering, which for them was a temporary covering. So if you go into the next chapter, Cain kills Abel. That is, the, those are their, their kiddos. And there was an offering made, one that was very similar to what um, had presumably d- been done when they were clothed, and then one involved like fruit and vegetables. And then there was jealousy, and, and that's how that happened. But you see this... Um, this understanding at some, some level um, from Abel that there is a sacrifice, there was a sacrifice, there is a sacrifice, and this is how I worship the Lord, by recognizing the sacrifice that was made to clothe Adam and Eve so that they could advance into the life he created them for. God is so gracious. He didn't just end things whenever they blew it. He said it's not going to be as easy as it was, that's for sure, and it's not going to be the same as you knew it to be in the beginning, but I'm going to bring good out of this because God is kind. He has a kind will and good intention, and he has chosen us in love before the foundation of the world. So you have to first, so this is me. This is my interpretation of scripture. I'm looking at that. Where do I see the lamb first? I see the lamb that probably lost its life when Jesus clothed Adam and Eve, okay? And it pointed to something else because we know that's temporary. So then when do you see the lamb again come up? Again, there's more than these examples. I'm just briefly going to take us through. Skip ahead to about Genesis 12 and then 12 to 22. God picks this pagan man named Abraham, Abram, and he says, I'm going to, I'm going to pick you. Basically, you're not, Christ is the new Adam, but you're going to be a, a, a really important part of this redemptive plan in history where, where people are going to be able to see me again and hear me, see me and hear me, and we're going to dwell again with each other, more like, more like in the Garden of Eden. And so he picks this man named Abraham, and he makes a covenant with, with Abraham, and, and there's a whole story there that, that involves sacrifice and, and bloodshed. But then comes Genesis 22, which honestly is probably one of my least favorite stories in the Bible um, because I think it's one that is most open to being misinterpreted if you miss Jesus in the story. If you miss the truth that it was in love God chose us and it was in his kind, willing intention toward us that he's dealt with us. So in the story, Abraham has a son named Isaac. He's part of this great promise. And, um, and there are circumstances that arise, and, and God, he was a miracle child. Isaac was a miracle child. Abraham had been able to conceive, and, and the Lord says, okay, basically to, I, I want to test your faith, Abraham. Again, this is Old, Old Testament. Hang with me. In love, God predestined you and chose you. He has a kind will and intention toward you. 
He takes Abraham up. Abraham himself is a foretype and a shadow. It's painting a picture of Jesus to come. They get up to this area called Mount Moriah, which is not far. It is the same geographic area where Jesus will ascend and go to the hill of Calvary and die someday. And he's preparing to sacrifice his son. That is not part of Christianity. That is not a normal part of the Bible, okay? Like, that's not okay. Cain and Abel, that was a horrible situation. But Abraham's walking this out, and he's just being obedient. And, And it says that he has everything there, and he's just walking this out with the Lord. And, and he gets to the place where it seems like there is nothing, there is no other provision in sight. And it, like the, the worst will come. And then the angel of the Lord, which may be Christ himself manifesting, saying, don't touch him. Don't touch him. And they look and behold, there's always a component of beholding, and there's a ram caught, a lamb in the thicket just waiting for them. And, and that, that lamb is sacrificed, and that, that covenant of the Lord is just um, honored. It's honored. And so then where do you see where do you see it again? Where does the lamb come up again? In Exodus chapter 12, I'm having cord problems. In Exodus chapter 12, God's people, God was faithful to his promise with Abraham and, and this nation, the Israelites, the Hebrews, they, they mass produced and they end up in captivity and slavery in Egypt. And God's going to deliver them out of that, just like you've seen in Ten Commandments and Moses. And God gives them very specific instructions. Oftentimes the things the Lord asks us to do do seem weird. And this is no exception. This seems like a really weird alternative to what they were facing. There were plagues all around them going on. Now, these people who were placing their trust in in the Lord, they were in this place called Goshen, where when it was dark everywhere else, it was light there. When plagues were hitting around them, God was holding them. That doesn't mean they weren't experiencing the tension of of what their taskmasters were going through, of what their work circumstances were, but God was faithful in covenant with them. And so he this plague of death is going to come through again. This is Old Testament. This is not how God deals with, with us today in the New Covenant. But this plague of death is going to come through, and he tells the households in Goshen, he says, get a lamb, a male lamb, a spotless lamb, and, and after you sacrifice it for a feast, I want you to put its blood across the top of the door, this way, this way, kind of making the symbol really of a cross. Everything's always pointing to Jesus. It's always pointing to the finished work of, of the lamb. And so, sure enough, the story goes that um, death passes over those households that received from the lamb and that had the blood on their doorpost. And so, um, this becomes just part of the narrative of what is understood by, um, by the Jews, by the Hebrews, by the Israelites, that, that um, there is a system of sacrifice in place that keeps, like, creating or... Um, establishing and reestablishing this temporary covering of nakedness that was dealt with in the garden. And so even the law itself was, was that, that was put in place, this temporary covering until we got to the real thing, until we got to the moment where we behold the lamb. So Isaiah, who was a prophet, he writes in Isaiah 53, which is about the suffering servant, about Jesus. In verse 5, You may know this verse. It says, He was pierced through for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. And the chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned his own way. But the Lord has caused 
the iniquity of all of us to fall on him. See, God was that, that fa father God like Abraham, and he did give his only son. Jesus is our, our ram in the thicket. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before his shearers. He did not open his mouth. And so often you'll see this language of lamb, and there's this understanding that there is, there's, there's a lamb, and there's, there's a part to play with a lamb, but you also have these references. When I read in, in Revelation 5, I also mentioned um, the root of David. I also mentioned the lion of Judah. So you've got this imagery painting this picture of the names of God for people to be looking to recognize when Messiah comes, when the Savior comes. Lamb is one of these things. So now we're going to skip ahead to the Gospels that generally we're better versed with uh, in, in this part of the world and the time that we live in. So Jesus is born. Where do we see the lamb in the Christmas story? Do you think it was coincid coincidence that Jesus was born into a major? Do you think it was coincidence that the angels proclaimed the gospel to the shepherds? No, because Jesus was born into a stall that lambs would be held in before they were taken to slaughter. This would have been common knowledge to the shepherds as well. So again, Jesus, uh, the, the Lord, the Godhead, they're painting this picture of the Lamb of God who is arriving onto the scene, the scene in that, in that time, to take away the sin of the world. So if you'll remember in the Christmas story, Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, was expectant with a baby named John the Baptist. He was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb when he encountered Mary and Jesus. And, um, and then John the Baptist sees, or it's recorded in this narrative, that he encounters Jesus again. And actually, this uh, phrase is used in multiple Gospels. But this is in John chapter 1. Um, and I'm going to read about verse 28 down a little bit. So this is a narrative of John the Baptist baptizing people before the ministry of Jesus the Lamb begins. It says, these things take place in Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. And the next day, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he, on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I. He existed before me. Listen to this, verse 31. I did not recognize him. So that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. Verse 32, John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending on him as a dove out of heaven, and he remained on him. Verse 33, I did not recognize him. So, I think this is an important question, and this is why it is worthwhile to not overlook Jesus as the Lamb. You know from the story in the Gospels, Jesus dies on a cross because many people not only didn't recognize him, just like Adam and Eve, they couldn't see him, right? They couldn't see him, they heard him, and then his voice, his voice connected, connected on, but they lost their ability to see and to recognize who he was. A lot of people did not recognize Jesus as the lamb because they thought that he would come as the lion, Okay? And he is both. He is the lamb and the lion. And when he comes back someday, 
to reestablish the kingdom in a physical way that we can see and that we will be part of. New heavens, new earth, kingdom of priests. That, that is, he is building that, and we are, we are part of that. He will come back as the lion, but you first have to see him as the lamb. You have to have a revelation of the lamb. And so that is why even John in the throne room, perhaps after seeing all of these different revelations of Jesus as someone looking like a son of man standing among the lampstands, these different things, that ways that Jesus is showing him himself, he almost misses him for a second and he weeps. I don't know what he was looking for. Or I don't know if perhaps his eyes just hadn't been opened to see that reality in the heavenly places. But until we see Jesus as the lamb that was slain, that is worthy, we will really not know the Lord in all of his power. And that's why this is the most important name that I think we had to start with because we don't have a relationship with the Father and we don't receive the Holy Spirit unless we've beheld the Lamb and recognized Him. And so, so in, in a few minutes, we'll have an invitation for those of you that are like, what does that mean? I want to meet the Lamb. Oh, He wants to meet you too from before the foundation of the world, from before you were born. He gave His life so that you would have the opportunity to receive Him and that it be written in that book, in that scroll that's sealed up. And there, there's a lot to that scroll. But for those who are sealed with the mark of the Holy Spirit, for those who are sealed with the blood of Christ, it's good, it's good news for us, okay? And we want that for everybody, and I believe the Lord does as well. So I'm going to skip ahead to uh, two more brief passages, and then we'll tie this up in Revelation. This is in Revelation chapter 12, in verse 7. It says, and there was a war in heaven, and Michael and his angels, Michael's a good guy, angels, good, <laughs> okay, they were waging war with the dragon, not a good guy, um, the dragon and his angels, those would be demons, they waged war, and they were not strong enough, and then there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. I'm going to skip to verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. But they overcame, and they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb is everything. It's, I'm telling you, it is everything. They overcame because of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. It says uh, later in verse 12, Woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, but knowing that he only has a short time. Say short time. Short time say forever the devil has a short time but we will be in the presence of the lamb forever forever and things are real here we live we have natural senses that God gave us he gave them to us first so that we could encounter and know and be in relationship with him 
but they still, when submitted him, can submitted to him, can point us back to him today. But I just want to encourage you that you may be stuck in something so heavy and so horrible that was not God's plan. It was authored not of God. It was an attack of the enemy who knows he has a short time to wreak havoc upon the people of God, to sow despair, to cloud their vision. If you just got a fresh vision of the land this evening, you're going to make it through. You're going to make it through because he's not going anywhere and he's ruling and he's reigning more than we can see, perceive, or understand. I'm going to skip ahead to Revelation 21, and I think this will be our last text of the evening. This is John at the end of the book. You hear some of these things quoted in funerals, but he's seeing a glimpse. He, he's had to see all the things. He's had to see Jesus among the churches. He's seen Jesus as, as the lamb slain in the throne, worthy, worthy to, to wage war, worthy to redeem the saints, worthy to open the book of life and receive it from the right hand of God. And now he sees him with the Father creating the new heaven and the new earth. Just remember that word forever. Short time and forever. Short time and forever. Am I caught up in this short time? Or Lamb of God, can you give me a taste of forever? So I'm going to read from verse 10 in Revelation 21. And he carried, he carried me away in the spirit in a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, having the glory of God. Guys, if we know Jesus, we're all going to be there someday and together. And with everyone that has passed on before us whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, God gave everything for this. Having the glory of God, her brilliance, that was the city. It was like a very costly stone. as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates. And at the gates were 12 angels, and names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes and the sons of Israel. And there were three gates on the east and three gates on the north and three gates on the south and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones. 12 is just like a, it's a picture of completeness. Completeness and 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And then it goes on to describe some architectural details that are important because they're the word of God. But I want to skip to verse 22. But as he's looking at this perfect city, perfect city, radiant city, there was no temple in it. I saw no temple. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and the lamp is the lamb. Say it, the lamp is the lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will glory into it. And in the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. And it just gets better and better as you read into chapter 22. And so what does that have to do with us today? Because we're not 
there yet. What is true is that the lamb, we are his temple today. So the same lamb that will be the temple in the new heaven and the new earth, he resides in us today. And the same lamp that will illuminate the whole city is the same lamp of his word and his eyes turn toward you that want to guide you step by step today. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The lamb will be the lamp. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But can we see him? Are there expectations that we put around the name of Jesus that we only, we only see the line of Judah? Or we only see the root of David, which are so profound, Lord, show me what those even mean do you have a revelation of Jesus as the lamb who was slain Olivia if you want to go ahead and come up I'm just going to again I'm going to offer two simple invitations if you are part of um, the team that ministers here and prays with women if you will just get in place to be ready to minister the first one the first one is the invitation to accept Jesus the Lamb into your life as the king of your heart. Just like Adam and Eve who were naked in the garden because of their sin, we're all born spiritually naked and spiritually blind. But there is a moment when we accept Christ that he puts the blood of the Lamb on us. He puts white garments on us. Are you washed in the blood and the precious blood of the Lamb? And it says that we simply ask we confess his name. We call upon him. So if you have never met Jesus and invited him in, you probably know it right now because your heart, the truth, the spirit inside of you that he put in there, though he may not occupy it yet, it's probably drawing you close saying, she's speaking truth, and I know that my heart needs a savior. So that's invitation one. Meet Jesus, the lamb that was slain. Invitation two. For those of you guys that feel like John, who is weeping because he can't see right now, who feel like Abraham, who is in great distress because he can't yet see the ram in the thicket, who like Adam and Eve who were in the bushes and couldn't see anything at all but could just hear, for, hear the presence of the Lord, he wants to give you a vision tonight a vision for your heart. The word says that the people with no vision will perish. And sometimes we just need a fresh vision of him. So though sometimes we, suff we suffer for a short time living in a fallen world with an accusing enemy that likes to still kill and destroy, we have a promise of forever with a lamb who was slain long before we entered into this story. And his name is good and it is great and it is wonderful. He is the lamb, he is the lion, he is King Jesus. And we bless his name. So Lord, we look to you, Lamb of God. We thank you, Father, for sending your son as a sacrifice on our behalf. That we could have a hope for forever. For my sisters who are walking in darkness, I pray that they would see the great light of your face. Oh, Lamb of God, I pray that you would be the lamp, that you would just light up their circumstances, God. 
even if their circumstances don't change. I just pray that you light up their steps and keep pulling them into forever, forever. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way with us. Add names to the Lamb's book of life tonight. You are worthy to receive your full reward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 